So um, this week, our sermon is titled Being Awake. We talked last week on Easter about resurrection, about new life, about the word to repent seems actually just means to think again, change your mind, think in a different way, see the world in a different way, see it new, see it new from how you've been told it was, see it new from the way the culture or the media or your own depression tells you it is. See it new from the point of view of that eternal spirit that lives, that cannot be killed because it is eternal. And that makes us awake. When the metaphor is that when we forget, when we forget who we really are, when we forget that the very spirit of God lives within us, when we forget that we were created in love, when we forget that we are the ones put on this planet to love one another, to bring about that love, when we forget, it's like going back to sleep. And then we get involved in the things of this world and it's, it's like a dream often, it's like a bad dream. And so again, we get to remember and remember and remember. We get to wake up again and again. The Buddha, when he was um, not the Buddha yet, <laughs> when he was Siddhartha, um, he lived in a village. He was, the, he was a prince. His mother and father, the king and queen, decided that they wanted him to always be happy always be happy. And so they kept anything sad out of his sight. He was never allowed to see any old people. He was never allowed to see anyone who was sick. He was never allowed to see anyone who was poor. He was never allowed to see anyone who was grieving. And so he thought that's the way the world is. How often do we act like that's the way the world is supposed to be? And every time someone is sick or grieving or dying, or there's a problem. We tend to think something is wrong, but what if that is just the way life is? Stuff happens. Stuff is always gonna happen. It's never gonna stop happening. We cannot change that, but we can change this. By the renewing of our minds, we can change this. And so one day the Buddha went out on a ride early in the morning, and usually they kept that they cleared the streets um, before he came down the road in his carriage so that he wouldn't accidentally see anyone who was elderly or sick. But this morning, somebody didn't get the message, and he saw a man who was extremely sick and close to death, and he stopped the carriage and said, what is this? What's happening here? What a horrible thing to happen. And he, at that point, decided to leave his home. He was so overcome and, and angry and puzzled that the world should be such a way. And that sent him on several years of sitting and meditating and asking the question over and over again, asking, Brahman asking the, the one God, the one power, the one presence, the one love, the one life. What is this all about? And then one night, he spent the whole night under a certain tree and he woke up the next morning and he was awake. And he said, oh, I get it. 
Life is full of suffering. The way the Buddha said it was life is dukkha. Life is full of suffering. And we can't change the suffering outside of ourselves. All we can change is our minds. We can change our minds so that we see it, we even experience it, but we understand that it's not the final truth of who we are. We are eternal beings created in love. And so when he walked into town, people could immediately see that he was different. And they tried to call him a god, and he said, I'm not a god. And they tried to call him a prince, and he said, no, I'm no longer a prince. They tried to call him a king. He said, I'm not a king. And they said, what are you? And he said, I'm awake. I'm awake. So what does it mean to be awake in this life? Besides knowing that there is suffering, what does it mean to be awake? We get to wake up and pay attention. To me, that's the, that, those are the words about being awake. Pay attention. There are so many things that we do not give our attention to. We give our attention to things that don't matter often. We give our attention to things that hurt. What if we give our attention to everything as it comes without judging it? Without judging it, what would that be like? Think for a minute. I woke up this morning at 5 o'clock, and the room was spinning around. And of course, my first thought was, oh, word I can't say from the platform. <coughs> Probably even said it. But then it was like, okay, this is what I have to deal with today. How am I going to deal with it? How am I going to deal with it? I've shared this story before, but I had a little dog, little tiny Yorkshire Terrier, meanest little thing in the world, <laughs> but we loved him. And he went completely blind. As a matter of fact, he had, his eyes were diseased and he had to have them removed. So completely, completely blind. A good thing he was a Yorkie, so nobody could see their eyes anyway. Um, but... He adapted so quickly to being blind. He did not bump into anything in the house. And when I took him out into the backyard, I just set him on the corner of the patio so he could see. There's patio and there's yard. He could feel the difference. And then he would run out and he would run all around the yard because he knew where he was. And he would come back to that same corner and I would bring him back in. And I watched him with fascination and I talked to the vet like, wow, this has been so not a big deal. And she said, yeah, because he didn't waste any time going, why did this happen to me? Why am I blind? How come other dogs can see and I can't see? He just went, okay, got to make my way. And he made his way. And he made his way. And that's us, y'all. That's us. We get to choose. We get to choose what we put our attention on. And so Jesus talked about this too about paying attention. A couple of times, many times actually, he said over and over again, you who have ears to hear, let him hear. You who have eyes to see, let him see. Because he knew that the people who weren't awake weren't going to be able to listen. Or when they heard the words, they weren't going to be able to take in the truth of the words. They were going to filter them through their already set idea of what the world is. 
They were going to filter those words. They were going to filter whatever they saw according to how they had already decided the world looks. And so only with new eyes and new ears can you see and hear something new. Only with beginner's mind. And that's a Buddhist concept, beginner's mind. If you think you already know, you will not learn. I, I taught in public school for many, many years, and I pride myself on being a good teacher. I always felt like if the student didn't get it, it was because I hadn't taught it in the way that they could understand yet. And so I would challenge myself, okay, if it doesn't go in that way, people learn differently. I'll think of a different way to teach. I'll get in there. But I can tell you, the one kind of person that I could never teach anything was the person who thought they already knew. Because there's no room. You're already full up with what you know. There's no room for anything new. And so Jesus said in Matthew, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes such a one in my name welcomes me. And what did he mean by that? You have to actually start throwing tantrums again? No, it means your eyes are new, your mind is open and fecund. It's, it's ripe for learning. It's, it's well fertilized. It's like the parable when we talk about sowing the seed. It's the fertilized ground that hasn't been filled up with re weeds and rocks of what we were told to believe, of what we were taught is true, of what the media tries to sell us. And by the way, anything that you look at on TV, on your phone, in a newspaper, in a magazine, Everything is selling you something. Even Facebook, y'all. Yeah. They're selling you something. They have a vested interest in making you believe what it is they're selling because they are making money off of it. So begin to not believe what is being sold and start to hear the truth of what is being spoken. And you can hear the truth of what is being spoken when a lie is being spoken. You can hear the truth by going, aha, I see. I see what that lie is here for. I see what it's trying to do, and I am not going to go there. The lie that you are a wretched worm and you are judged in every moment. That was a lie that would help control people, right? If you're being judged in every moment, you're going to be scared to make a false move. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. The rules aren't bad. The rules aren't bad, but the rules are here to serve us. We are not here to serve the rules. So use your brain and use your heart and act with love and everything else will take care of itself. Everything else. If you are acting with love, if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself, it means you have to love yourself too, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Then all the rest of it will be taken care of. And that is the idea that we're talking about here, being awake. 
So being awake means that everything that happens to you in your life is your teacher. Every emotion has something to teach you. Every situation has something to teach you. Every challenge has something to teach you. Every person has something to teach you. Can you think about that for a minute? Breathe that in, because the person you do not want to meet today <laughs> that you're bound to run into is in your life by divine appointment to teach you something you choose if you learn. I'm going to read this um, paragraph from Pema Chodron, her book, When Things Fall Apart. Generally speaking, we regard discomfort in any form as bad news. But for practitioners of the spirit or spiritual warriors, people who have a certain hunger to know what is true, feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, resentment, anger, jealousy, and fear, instead of being bad news, we are, are actually very clear moments that teach us where it is that we're holding back. They teach us to perk up and lean in when we feel we'd rather collapse and back away. They're like messengers that show us with terrifying clarity exactly where we're stuck. This very moment is the perfect teacher. And lucky for us, it's wherever we are. You don't have to go somewhere else to learn what you're supposed to learn. You have to pay attention to your life as it is. And that doesn't mean your life won't change. As a matter of fact, it's possible that your life will change more positively and more quickly by your not trying to push it away if it's uncomfortable, but welcome it in and say, what are you here to teach me? What are you here to teach me? And we could get into theological semantics about, so does that mean everything happens for a reason and you wouldn't, I wouldn't have vertigo if there wasn't something I was supposed to learn? I don't know. But I do know that I do have vertigo, so I might as well not waste my time and ask it, what is this here to teach me? What am I here to learn? I'll let you know when I figure it out. But I understand that I'm not here to learn how to curse vertigo. <laughs> I am powerless over it. Therefore, I surrender. Just like in the song. I forgive, I receive, I let go, I release. I surrender. I, re I surrender it to a power greater than myself. I call that power God or love or divine presence you can call that power whatever you want to, but that power is the truth, and it is stronger than our human selves will ever be, and we can join our human minds with that level of love and allow that to be our teacher, our explainer. So what does being like a little child do for you? I remember when my first nephew was born, he was my practice baby. He was several years older, several years before I had a kid myself. My sister had one, and we would just take him for the weekend or for a week at a time. And our favorite thing to do was to go on a nature walk, which meant that wherever we were, our, our neighborhood or grandma's neighborhood, we would just hold hands and walk along, and he would tell me what he saw. <laughs> and I saw things that I had never looked at before. I thought... 
This is just a, you know, dirty asphalt with a little yucky grass on the side of it. But he showed me bugs and made me look at them. Usually when I would see a bug, I would like, ah, get away from the bug. But he made me look at them. And I saw some beauty and I saw the extraordinariness of creation. And he pulled weeds and called them flowers. And y'all, a weed is just something that's growing where you don't want it to. And so if you pull something that's beautiful and yellow and fluffy, why is that not a flower? Why is that not a flower? And this is just a, a real concrete example of what it is to walk through life and to see the world as a child, to be present in the moment. I can promise you that although Aunt Mindy might have been thinking, okay, 10 minutes more of this and we'll get back in the house and we're going to fix some lunch and blah, blah, blah. But he was not thinking that. He was looking at what is next. <gasps> Look at that. <gasps> Look at that. And because of his enthusiasm and because I was willing I could go, oh, look at that, and be in the wonder and delight with him for at least periods of time. So what if you just left your house every day and went, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. Do you know how much you miss? You miss it because you already know. I know what's in my yard. I don't need to look at it again. I looked at it last week. Guess what? Everything changes every day. And yes, you can get caught in the minutia and never get anything done. And that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about meeting each moment as it comes and being in that moment instead of being in the next moment. And y'all, there are times when I will stand up here and I will teach you from my mastery. This is something that I have done and practiced for years and I've gotten pretty good at it and I'm teaching you. And sometimes I will teach you from my growing edge. <laughs> Meaning, I may have practiced it for years, but I'm not that good at it yet. Today is such a day. <laughs> because I live much more in my head than I do in my body. I have to remind myself often that I have a body. I have to remind myself, oh yeah, how are you feeling when I'm working on something in my head, a problem or a creation. I mean, it could be something joyous. It could be music. It could be that I'm typing notes for a sermon. It could be that I'm, but my, I'm all in my head and I'll suddenly realize, oh, about an hour and a half ago, I needed to go to the bathroom and I still do. Yeah, because I didn't really pay attention to what my body was telling me. An hour ago, I was ravenous. Now, rather than going and fixing a healthy lunch, I will eat whatever is fastest. Yeah? That's what comes from not being awake to the moment. And I'm still negotiating that, but I know that one of the gifts of being awake to the moment is the ability to pause between the stimulus and the reaction. And that is what separates us from the rest of the animals. There have been a lot of scientific studies done that show, I don't have to go into all of, the, all of the stuff, but show that most decisions are made not by our conscious mind, but by our unconscious mind. And that our conscious mind is as much as seven seconds behind the decision. And mostly what it's doing is giving us a ra rationalization for why we made the decision we did, right? 
and go, I think I'm going to turn left here. What science tells us is that you are already turning left before you had the thought, I will turn left. And what, one of the things that that proves as they watch these decisions that are often made, they're made unconsciously and from the emotion center, animals make the same decisions from the same place. Animals have emotions. For many years, we thought that's what separated us from them. I'm going to talk some more about that next week for Earth Day. But for many years, we thought that's what separated us from the rest of the animals. What separates us is our consciousness. And so by being present to the moment, we have an opportunity to make what is unconscious conscious and perhaps make a different choice. Because if your stimulus is hurt... Your unconscious choice is going to be fight or flight. If your stimulus is fear, your unconscious decision is going to be based on fight or flight. If your stimulus is triggering your own hatred or judgment, then your, your unconscious decision will be based on the same, fight or flight. You're either going to hit back or you're going to go, I'm out of here. And so how can we learn not to hit back, to be awake to the moment, to be awake to what is going on in the moment, to be aware of ourselves, to be aware of what's going on within us, because the emotion precedes the thought. So if we can train ourselves when we have that thought of fear to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I'm told, I believe, that I need to make my decisions based on love, not on my fear. I need to make decisions based on love. We talk about this a lot in here. Choose love. It's, spirituality is that easy. Just choose love. At every choice point, choose the loving choice. That's basically what Jesus said. That's what Buddha said. That's what Emerson said. That's what all the really great thinkers over the years have basically said, choose love. Why? Because it's better? Yes. And because it works. Because it works. Because when someone comes at you with fear and you hit back with anger, you create more fear or anger in return, which triggers you to hatred, which triggers them to hatred, which triggers you to war, which triggers... You see how that goes on? It works in the macrocosm of the world and countries and nations and states, but it works in the micro microcosms of people. You're faced with someone, you have a thought or, or an emotion that is negative. You don't even have to identify what it is. You either want to slap them or you're out of here. Is your instinct. Or freeze, that's the third one. Fight, flight, or freeze. When you are able to hold, when you are able to be aware, oh, yes, someone has just presented me with stimulus. What is my response to that? It only takes a, it only takes a split second to make the decision, I want to respond with love. But if you are not awake, if you are not aware, if you are not paying attention, if you are not approaching with the mind of a beginner, 
then it's easy to make the choice that is not the loving choice. And how does the mind of a beginner help you make a loving choice? Well, what happens is when you come to me and you say this word that triggers something in me, I, my instinctual self thinks I know all about you. There's all this set of assumptions. You ever had anybody um, trigger you because they use the same phrase that your dad used when you were a kid to beat you up with? Yeah. So when I hear certain phrases, it's like, ooh. And I start attributing all of those when I'm not conscious, I can attribute all those things that were my dad to this person who never met my dad and probably is completely different from him and happens to use the same English words in a similar situation. But when I think I know, when I know how somebody voted, so I think I know who they are, how am I going to react to them if it was in a way that does not agree with me? If I know how somebody parents, or I see one example of it, I can extrapolate and have that have a whole meaning for me. Our judgment is in there. And so it takes time and attention to overcome our knee-jerk judgment, which leads us to decisions based not on love, but on assumption, which means on lies that we made up in our head but that we somehow believe, on fear, on anger, on hatred. So that pause is such a beautiful thing. The first time I was able to have a fight with my husband and pause during the fight, Instead of, you know, five hours later coming back and going, you know what, that was me, I was wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> or five minutes later, that was me, I was wrong, I'm sorry. There are times when I can go, wait, I'm, I was totally triggered. That's not, can we start over again? When you can pause, it keeps you from having to make amends. <laughs> when, you can pause, when you can pause in the moment, you might not have to say you're sorry later. Right? So that phrase, love means never having to tell you, say you're sorry. From that, from that old book, Love Story, I'll remember that one. And yeah, you need to say you're sorry a lot to the people that you love, usually. But true love will put you in a position, true love in every moment, not in a big way. Yeah, I love him, but man, did he, you know? <laughs> Ugh, that moment. I'm not talking about the big love. I'm talking about the love in each moment. Oh, he's triggering me. And what is it in me that's being triggered? Because that's about me. Somebody pushing my buttons is about my button. It's not about them. Ooh, yikes. And when we become aware of this, when we bring it into a conscious level, then we can make decisions. We can listen to our guidance. We can ask Okay, what is mine to do here? We can move on to the next right thing. And sometimes the next right thing is, you know what? It's not even worth getting into. I'm just going to bless it, leave it alone, and go do the dishes or go whatever's, whatever's my next thing to do, whatever's the next right thing. I said um, being awake leads us, to leads us to body awareness. Have you ever known anybody who was diagnosed with stage four cancer, who when they looked back realized they'd been having 
symptoms for years, but hadn't got it seen to. And you think, and we say, how could you not know they had a giant tumor? Well, if we choose not to know, we won't know. But if we are awake to what our bodies are telling us, then we can treat our bodies with love, whatever that means in the moment, to give them food, to give them exercise, to allow them to go and eliminate, <laughs> to take them to a healthcare provider, to give them time and attention and rest, all of those things. When we're awake, we can listen to what our bodies are telling us. When we are awake, we can flourish in our relationships. Because I believe it's true that if you know anyone deeply, if you know the triggers that they're reacting to, if, you're no, if you know who installed their painful buttons that you keep accidentally hitting, in the big book of Alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about um, that without, that we stepped on our fellows' toes without knowing. And then they reacted, and we're like, hey, what'd I do? What's wrong with you? We do that all the time, y'all, every day. We are, we are pushing other people's buttons without knowing it. Now, it, it's their button, and so it's theirs, just as our buttons are ours. And yet, if we want to live a more peaceful life, and if we want to do no harm, if we want to limit the amount of harm we cause in the world, we can be more aware that other people have buttons, and we can be careful not to push them. And we can be gentle when we realize we have pushed them. That was a really bigger reaction than what I thought just went on. That's not about me, obviously. It's about them. But I can be gentle and kind with them because for whatever reason, that brought up something big in that person. And they may want to blame me. And if that's what they need to do, that's okay. Can you see how that is so much more valuable than going, oh, yeah? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So we become awake, and then our relationships flourish, our casual relationships and our closest relationships. In order to be in relationship, you need to actually be with the other person. Did you know that? And did you know that you can be in the same room and never, ever, ever be with that person? If you're on your phone, you're not with that person. If you're watching the TV, not with that person. If you're reading a book, you're not really present with that person. Now, I'm not saying that you can't both read a book in a room together and take some good from just being physically close, but I'm saying that if you want to be in conscious relationship with someone, you have to put down all of the things that occupy your mind and spend some time just person to person. That's the only way to know someone. And to know someone is to love. I really believe this. There's a quote, and I can't think of who it's from, but I, um, th that says, if you truly knew anyone's story, if you knew all of their story, all of the things that had happened to them, where they came from, there is no one that you could not love. Can you believe that? Maybe. Compassion, that's what being aware does. 
and that's really what making a choice for love is. We have compassion. We see more clearly what's going on because we haven't already made the assumption and decided this is the kind of person you are, obviously from that one word I heard you speak. I know what kind of person you are and I know what you deserve. No, we listen and we go, ooh, that was, hmm, that wasn't the reaction I expected. And then we go, then we have compassion. Okay, that came from some, that came from a deep wound. And I know I didn't cause the wound, but I can have compassion for it. If we're here to love, we need to be able to see others. If we're here to be loved, we have to allow ourselves to be seen. And that's part of being awake as well. Not hiding, but allowing ourselves to be seen, to be vulnerable. And all of that, all of that leads to gratitude. That's really what being awake is about. Because if you're truly awake to your life as it is, even with the suffering, it will lead you to the place of being thankful that there is so much good. As the song says, that we are blessed and lucky. That these are the days. Not someday when things get better. Not someday when I lose 10 pounds. Not someday when I get a better boyfriend. But today, these are the days. These are the days. So when you leave here today, I invite you to say that to yourself. Today is the day, the one that I'll want to remember because there was so much good in it, and I get to decide how much good in it is in it by how much love I choose to give. Thank you. I talked a little long, go figure. So we're going to have just a short arrow meditation here. If you would just take a deep breath and be here now. Let go of your lunch plans and who you're going to see and where you're going to go. And just be in this room. And breathe. And be with the in-breath. And be with the out-breath. And for a moment, just fully feel, like what, feel what it feels like to be you. To be a divine spirit inhabiting a human body. just as an exercise, let's do a quick scan of that body. How's your head feel? Is it busy? Is your mind blown? Do you have a headache? And consciously send compassion, whatever the answer is. Send compassion and love and gratitude. Feel down into your neck and your shoulders and ask yourself, how does that feel? If you feel some tension, you can give it some compassion and invite it to let go. Feel what it feels like to have arms and hands and fingers and 
fingertips. Just be with yourself. And as you breathe again and again, feel what it feels like to have a chest that expands with every breath. Feel down into your heart space. What does it feel like to have a heart that is constantly pumping oxygen all through your body, allowing it to have life? And what it feels like to have this heart center of where our emotions are. Does it hurt? Is it uncomfortable? Does it feel joy? Whatever it feels, don't judge it. Say, oh, look what's here. And perhaps ask, is there a message for me? and consciously send love and compassion through that heart space and going down your spine into your sitting bones again feel what it feels like to be you to be here to be now Ask your higher power, is there a lesson for me here? Is there a message? Is there something that I could learn simply by sitting here? And send love and gratitude. even as you feel down through your legs into your feet. How does it feel? Give it compassion. Give yourself love. And feel the gratitude of having this body, these legs, these feet that carry you around, that are your vehicle to go from one place to another. Feel the gratitude of having this body that houses your spirit so that you are alive to all of the beauty that is here on the earth. Feel the compassion and the gratitude for being alive in a world that is so beautiful and so painful. And make a pledge in this moment to give love wherever you see beauty. And to give love wherever you feel or see pain.
And you can ask your higher power, God, the universe, the Divine Mother, Yahweh, whatever your name is, may I be filled with love. And may that love heal me so that I can go forth in love to give love. And may that love heal wherever it goes. And say thank you. That we can make the choice for love today and every day. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen.